It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It is 6.06 on a Saturday morning. We are broadcasting live this morning from the North Atlanta Home Show. That's a beautiful infinite energy ballroom, not the big showroom because the showroom is over there. We're over here in the ballroom, and it is going to be a great show. If you have not been here so far and haven't heard about the North Atlanta Home Show, they have 150 vendors of everything you need outside the home, inside the home, on top of your home. The gutter guard leaf filter folks are here. If you are not sleeping well at night, the my pillow people are right here in front of us. I'm taking advantage of the my pillow people. I'll just tell you that right now. The side people, the soil, the super size soil three people are here as well. If you have any interest in improving your home environment, the North Atlanta Home Show is your place to be today. And you worry, oh, but I just can't afford the tickets. Well, yes, you can, because you can get in free today only if you get here before 9 a.m. Okay, so you have to get up, get a cup of coffee, do something like that, and get started this morning. If you get to the Infinite Energy Forum Ballroom, follow the signs, they've got signs out front that say where to go, and you come to the front door before 9 a.m., and you say, I know the password, it's Liberty. And they'll let you in. They'll just guide you right in here. Here's the broadcast booth area. You can come down and watch me do the radio show. Ask questions during the break if you care to. Dave Baker will be here at 9 o'clock. You watch Dave for an hour till 10, and the show opens at 10 o'clock, and you walk right in for free. What a deal. 404-872-0750 is the number online in garden if you have a garden question this morning. And... I want to talk just a moment about, again, the difference between research, science, and what I heard my neighbor say two years ago. Or, you know, my old aunt said something like that you believe to be true, it doesn't turn out to be true. And here's the thing that I'm hot about this week. Do Nandinas, you know the shrub, Nandina has the red berries, pretty red berries for Christmas. Do Nandinas kill cedar waxwing birds that's the question a lot of folks somehow have gotten the notion incorrectly that nandina is poisonous and the bird eats one of them they'll die you'll just have flocks of cedar waxwing birds all on the street on the lawn all dead from eating nandina berries and it's based on about two two instances have been reported of cedar waxwings a half a dozen of them dying and when they were necropsy, which is what the veterinarians do when they want to find out why something died, they necropsied these birds and they found that yes, they had their, their stomachs and their throats and everything was filled with Nandina berries. Having read that report in the news, you might conclude, well, then Nandina must be poisonous. Nandina must be the thing that killed all those birds. We have to dig up our Nandinas. When actually the problem is that the, is that the cedar wax wings are simply a, bird, a type of bird that gorges. That's what they do. They gorge. They eat as much as they possibly can. They'll stuff their entire body with any berry they find that they like. 
Mandina's because they have a tiny, tiny little bit of sorry, cyanic glycoside in the seeds. It makes cyanide, I guess, which is poisonous, tiny, tiny amount. But if you eat 100 of them and fill your body full of these Nandina berries, you are not going to be a happy bird. And so some cedar wax wings found some Nandina berries and ate a whole heck of a lot of them more than they should, and they died. And from that small little bitty news article, people concluded that, well, Nandina must be poisonous. It must be killing our cedar wax wings. Not true. Again, repeat, not true. It's simply because cedar waxwing birds are very likely to gorge. They just like to eat as much as they possibly can. Unlike, what are the things? Uh, I saw cardinals the other day feeding on the holly berries. I saw, um, uh, let's see, what else did I say? Just other birds that just sort of migrating through, as they do during the spring, are feeding right now on the holly berries near my house. And the holly berries do not seemingly have anything in them that would cause distress to the birds because the birds seem perfectly happy to eat every holly berry they can find and don't seem in any distress at all. A little bit later, as it gets warmer, as it gets warmer in the latter part of February and you have several days of warm weather and the holly berries stay on the bush and haven't been eaten quite yet, they'll ferment. Then is when the birds, really mockingbirds and all sorts of birds, eat those fermented holly berries and they fly loops in the sky. They are so drunk. They go round and round. I shouldn't laugh if they're distressed. I should not. I should not be so mean. Hey, it's funny as heck to see them go round and round and round, wandering around on the ground. It's dangerous. Cats and other predators can eat, the, can capture the birds then. So you don't want to have birds eating these fermented berries, but when they do accidentally, you certainly do have a funny spectacle on your hands to watch the birds as they deal with the after effects of alcohol in these fermented berries. Same thing happens on um, crab apples up in the mountains up in North Georgia. It's very common in North Georgia for either apple trees or crab apple trees to uh, have fruit on them still in the, in the very early spring. And bears will come down out of the mountains to eat that fruit. And if the fruit is fermented, then the bears wobble around and come into the town and sleep on your back porch and various things like that. So again, nothing poisonous or anything particularly dangerous about the crabapple fruit, nor about the holly berries, nor about the nandina berries. It's simply sort of a product of what happens when animals do weird things. I guess weird things is the right answer for that. Speaking of animals, I woke up, I had one of those sort of nice Wednesday, this is Wednesday uh, afternoon, Thursday morning, when I woke up about 5, 5.15 a.m., I'm guessing, and um, thought, well, I'll just drift back to sleep here. Unfortunately, something is in my attic. Something up there is going, chewing on the wood, I guess, on the, on the wall, Tim, on the wall, uh, two by four, something is up there chewing in my attic. It's 5.15. Am I going to do anything about it at 5? No, I'm not. I could go into the bathroom perhaps and get the, the plunger and use it to bang it against the wall or something, but I didn't feel like getting out of bed to do it. So I simply, this is one of those times when it's so nice to have an Alexa smart speaker in your bedroom. As I said, Alexa, play thunder and lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the Alexa app came on and played this gentle, soothing, calm thunder, a little bit of rain, a little bit of you know night noises, you know, outside, and I drifted back to sleep. And whatever was chewing in my attic, they could just be gone, go somewhere else. What I plan to do as I talk to the master gardeners in DeKalb County, Fulton Cobb and Gwinnett on Wednesday, I did a class on how to control nuisance animals. And so when the master gardeners asked, what do you do when you have a squirrel in your attic? Do you have to climb up in the attic and you have to go up there and, and uh, deal with the, it was a squirrel in the attic? And the answer is no, you don't. As long as you find a place outside where the squirrels congregate, like in my case, under my bird feeder, set the traps there. The birds are gonna come. The, I mean, the, the squirrels, I mean, are going to come, or in my case, a rat is going to come because that's where the food is. So they may be climbing around in my attic at night, gnawing on the timbers up there, but uh, in the morning and the daytime, they're gonna come outside and say, I want something to eat. And they'll come outside and eat that. And uh, you can set the traps there if you care to, to control them in that way. And that's what I plan to do this weekend. There's gonna be some very, very unhappy squirrels or rats in my backyard. Let's go to the phones. We've got Gene and Bremen who joins us this morning. Hey, Gene, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm okay. I'm cleaning out my flower beds. All right. What'd you find? All sorts of weeds sprouting, and I'm wondering <laughs> if it's too early to put out this weed and feed or preem to help. If they're sprouted uh, already, you, the time to put a pre-emergent out has passed. If they're sprouted, then that's past the emergent, and so you can't put a pre-emergent poison down now and get it in control. And well, honestly, Gene, a lady here at the at the um, North Atlanta Home Show when I spoke yesterday afternoon had almost the same question. She said, I've got all these little weeds in my lawn, and if I pull them up, will they stay away? And I had to tell her, as I'll tell you, weeds make seeds that is just the nature of a weed is a really really good seed producer that's how it became a weed and so in your flower beds you either be very careful about spraying a little bit here a little bit there with roundup but it's dangerous because sometimes the drift can get over onto your flowers honestly in a flower bed gene the best you can do is to pull them out it'll take two or three sometimes years to get control because the seeds have already dropped. I promise you all the winter annual plants have dropped seeds and they'll still stay in the soil until next year and next year after that. Just keep pulling them. Well, would it help any more from sprouting? If, I mean, Maybe. The preen is not the stuff that does a great job against broadleaf weeds. If you've got things like creeping charlie and dichondra and some of the other hen bits, some of the little broadleaf weeds, chickweed certainly, if you've got them in a flower bed, the preen product is probably not the best to control them. What but is? I can't think I can't think of another one that's labeled for use in flower beds. That is my problem. None that work that would not hurt your flowers. Well, would it hurt later when I clean out some more if they're not so bad? Can you put down that weed and feed? Or is it too early to put it Not in right flower beds. Gene, don't, don't tempt me like this. Don't put weed and feed in flower beds. In the flower beds, I want Gene bending over or on her hands and knees or on a little bucket to sit out there, pull the weeds out. That is literally the best you can do in a flower bed. Okay. Now well, I hear that silence. You don't believe me, but it's true nonetheless. Well, it's the true I mean, nonetheless. I'll you do gotta it. Go ahead. When can I 
I'm getting them ready to clean out and put some mulch and then a layer of pine straw. Yeah, Is it good. too early to do your rose bushes? No. In fact, that's a great thing to talk about. I'll do that later this morning, Gene. I'll talk about how to prune roses because now is a great time to do that. Perfect. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. I depend Thank you for calling. We'll see you soon, Gene. Thank you. At 619, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, partly cloudy, chilly, high 53 degrees, low 33 overnight. Tomorrow, a 50% chance of rain, light showers mostly, high 44, low of 40. So a much chillier couple of days than we had earlier in this week. 404-872-0750 is the number you can dial if you have your garden questions handy right now. Tim in Houston, Georgia joins us. Hi, Tim. Good morning. Welcome to Lana Garden. Hi. Good morning, Walter. I have a mature Japanese maple tree planted off the corner of my home. Yep. The home is 19 years old, so it is a mature tree. It's very full, and I'd like to prune it off the corner of the mm-hmm. home so the squirrels don't jump on the roof and wake <laughs> me up when I'm sleeping <laughs> in the daytime since I work nights. Yeah. And uh, I just want to shape the tree a little bit, and I'm wondering, considering the recent and current weather in the lower elevations of northeast Georgia, just outside mm-hmm. northeast metro Atlanta, is yeah. it safe to do that today, or is it too late? No, perfectly fine. Honestly, Tim, until... There's really a lot of, I would say at least 50% foliaged up on the maples. You can prune them. So right now there's, there are a few buds that open up on the maples. There are not many leaves at all on maples, certainly. Uh, so until they start showing a bunch of leaves, I don't worry about pruning maples. The later you wait, the more they tend to bleed. And that's just something to think about. They'll yeah. bleed, but that, even that doesn't hurt the maple. They just bleed, <laughs> worry the homeowner a little bit. Um, but... Typically, wintertime is the time you take away the most limbs if you care to prune a Japanese maple severely. Winter's the time to do that. Um, but we're still sort of in winter now. Don't, don't worry too much about it. So if there are any buds on the tips of the branches, it still won't hurt it to no. trim it now? No, not at all. Not at all. Great. Try not to shear the whole thing, Tim. I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the last few weeks. That the, the buds on the ends of the branches are the hormone generators that tell the rest of the tree how to behave for the rest of the growing season and the roots too. So if you shear it, which I don't think you're planning on doing, but if you shear it and take all the buds away, then it's sort of left wandering. The tree doesn't like know what to do with it. So just a little selective trimming will be fine. Selective trimming is great. And it's going to bleed sap, I know, but it's our yeah. prized tree. We love it. So. Yeah. Won't, hurt it. Won't hurt it at all. Well, thanks for calling, Tim. I do appreciate it. It's 627 at News Talk WSB. Don't forget, there's a Japanese maple pruning class. Here's a cool thing. At the Atlanta Botanical Garden, April 27th, there's a small registration fee. Go to the atlantabotanicalgarden.org and get all the details about the Japanese maple pruning class on April 27th. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 6.35 on a Saturday morning. We're broadcasting live this morning, not from the studio, but from beautiful North Gwinnett County from Sugarloaf Parkway and the Infinite Energy Forum. If you want to come by and visit us, see the show, and actually get into the home show for free, the North Atlanta Home Show starts at 10 this morning. But if you get here to the Infinite Energy Forum, follow the signs to find parking and come on inside and know that the password is Liberty. That's all you have to do. Somebody's at the front right now. And if you come in, say Liberty, then we'll come back to the broadcast area. You can watch the radio show, ask questions during the break, wait for Dave Baker to get here at nine o'clock and watch his show from nine to 10. And then when the show opens, you get in for free. No ticket needed. A number on Lawn and Garden, 404-872-0750. The numbers that Bill dialed a few minutes ago and Bill is with us from Lake Oconee, Georgia, I guess we call it. Hey, Bill, good morning. Good morning. So what you got, Bill? I've got a question about knockout roses. I know February is a good month to cut them back, and I usually do it about February 1st, but I saw that this week it's been 70 and sunny, so I put it off. I was wondering, <laughs> if it, do I usually wait around you know, till it's freezing outside before I cut them back? So kind of confused this month. I think the thing to wait rather than freezing temperatures, Bill, is the red buds that you see on the sides of those green stems on the roses all roses have them not just knockouts but all roses that are pruned in the winter time or right now the shrub roses have the little red buds where the new leaves would grow and when you see them beginning to emerge that is the day to prune the rose all right it's time then so let me let me give you some hints here bill because there are a lot of people out there who have knockout roses and there's some tips to make it easier, make a prettier looking plant, and they might be useful to you as well. Okay, so number one, the right time is when the buds begin to emerge. And the reason for that is because, as you know, the buds point <laughs> in different directions. They point in, out, up, down, around, and about. And the best place to prune a knockout rose is just above a bud that points out. You don't want it pointing okay. in because the limbs would go across the middle of the plant and would generally not have any flowers. And that's not what you bought the rose for. So buds that point outward make a cut, oh, an eighth of an inch, quarter inch maybe above that. So that when the bud does grow and emerge in May and June, that it points outward. So that's number one. Number two, if there are any dead limbs, anything that just is completely dead, there's zero chance of hurting the plant by taking it out. So go ahead and take that out. Maybe that would be the first thing I would take out is dead limbs. Number three is any limbs that cross across the middle already, some that you didn't notice last year, some that you just think need to go, prune those out too. The crossing limbs, as I say, don't have many flowers on them at all. And so it's easy to just cut those out as well, leaving you with a shorter bush, usually Oh, 16 inches, about 16 inches below where you want the flowers to be. That's what you want to look for. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help today. Thank you very much. Hey, Bill. Thanks so much for calling. 404-872-0750. Get you in to take Bill's place there. And let me expound a little bit more about the knockout roses. The last little part that I talked about, about where to make the prune, I said above a bud that points out. You heard that. But... The way that knockout roses flower is they put about 16 inches of green growth before they make the flower buds. So I said to Bill, if you want the flowers to be, let's say at three feet high, where do you make your cuts? Just above a bud is 18 or 16 inches down from 36. So about 18 inches off the ground is where you make your cut. Now suppose you want your knockout rose to be 
four feet tall, five feet tall, when it puts the flowers out, they'll put it right close to the windows around your house where you make your cut thin. Subtract 16 inches from the height of the window, let's say 40 inches high, you take 16 away from that, it gives you 24. So you make a cut around 24 inches high from the ground. Again, above a bud that's pointing outwards. If you do that, you will have gorgeous flowering. If you don't prune knockout roses, they tend not to flower as well. The flowering comes on new foliage, on the new um, limbs that come on the knockout rose. And so by pruning right now, you get lots of new foliage. That's the whole point is to get flowers on the knockout rose so you have something to, to look at. It is it's one of those things that I wish knockout roses had some fragrance, had some smell to them. But unfortunately, knockouts were bred by a guy named Bill Radler and Bill I think he was 16 when he started breeding roses and who knows why, who knows why Bill got into this. He was up in the Northwest, I think, and was breeding roses as a kid, as a teenager, and for whatever reason decided to start concentrating on roses that were disease resistant because he knew that roses get black spot, they get powdery mildew, they get various other diseases. And he thought, if I could just breed a rose that is disease resistant, I bet I could sell a couple of those to people around the country. After millions of trials, millions of plants that Bill Radler trialed, bred and trialed, he found one. He sure did. He found one that has a little bit thicker leaf, was very consistent on the leaf thickness, which made it resistant to diseases. And Bill said, well, now, I'm, what am I going to name this thing? This is a knockout. Oh, it's red flower knockout. And so he named it the knockout. You got it. And he took it around to the nursery propagators and rose companies around the country. And they all looked at it and said, if it doesn't get black spot, if it's resistant to powdery mildew, that is a rose we could sell. And sure enough, now you know just about every rose you see is one shade, one flower color or another of knockout. It's a white knockout, red knockout, pink knockout, rainbow knockout. How many others are there? But there are lots and lots of of knockout roses, all of which have been bred to have the thicker leaves, so they're disease resistant. But in breeding that disease resistant leaf, we lost fragrance. You know this, you know that people and plants and every other living creature has chromosomes. And so the chromosome that controls fragrance somehow gets left out of the breeding program that makes disease resistance. And that's why knockouts don't have much smell to them at all. So if you have you know, have a hankering for a nice rose, but you want one that smells like your mother's, your grandmother's rose smelled, your neighbor's rose maybe smelled when you were a kid. Don't look at knockouts to be the one, but there are some more disease resistant roses that do have a smell to them. I have a list on my website. One of the great sort of ad hoc community driven experimental rose programs was over in Texas where they had the Texas Rose Rustlers. Texas Rose Rustlers were, I can imagine them, a bunch of little old guys and little old ladies is what I imagine. I'm, in truth, they're probably pretty young, younger than me, certainly. But nonetheless, this group of Texas Rose Rustlers would drive around until they found a cemetery, an old abandoned house that had a rose growing in the yard that had survived for several years and didn't seem to be affected by disease all that much. And they would take cuttings, bring them home, propagate them, find out what the original name of the rose was, which they could tell by looking at the flowers. And they collected over the years about 20, I think, earth kind of roses is what the name of these kinds of roses are. 
that were collected by the Texas rose rustlers. And these earth kind roses, several of them do have scent, several of them do have disease resistance. And so if you look around for those named disease resistant earth kind roses, get some smell, get some nice color, get some smell. Some of them are climbers, some are shrub roses, and uh, just takes a little time to look around and ask Pike if they have some and we'll, we'll have them in stock later this spring. Our number on Lawn and Garden, by the way, 404-872-0750. You have a garden question, you want to ask about roses, more questions about roses, more questions about critter control, questions about lawns. I had a great time yesterday, as a matter of fact, here at the North Atlanta Home Show, talking to the audience about <laughs> what we call it, my favorite faux pas. <laughs> Words of things that I take pictures when I drive around, I take pictures of weird things that gardeners have done that I think are interesting and instructive. And so <clears throat> if you see me in front of your house taking pictures of your yard, it's usually not because you have a beautiful landscape. It's almost always because you've done something crazy that I think it needs to have a picture taken. So I was on McLendon, McLendon Drive, I guess, uh, two or three days ago now, and driving down and I saw a tree, a little Japanese maple tree. It was about five feet tall, a little pretty thing. But whoever lived in that house had the, had the idea that these mulching, they had piled mulch around the trunk of that Japanese maple up three feet high around the trunk of the tree. Some of the landscapers call that volcano mulching because it's, the tree comes out of the middle of the pile like a volcano erupting. It is terribly, awfully never good for the tree. It is not going to help that little Japanese maple at all to have that mulch piled around it because the mulch is a great place. It's moist, of course, all the time. It's sort of warm in there. Diseases get started on the bark. They go into the bark and cause the tree to die. The mulch hides little creatures, voles and things that go in there and chew on the bark of the maple tree. They'll kill it too. So I'm hopeful these people will somehow get the knowledge. I didn't stop and stop and knock on the door because it's sort of, sort of obnoxious really, I think. But I hope that somebody will tell them, guide them and say, you know, it'd be a better idea if you were to not have that thing piled with mulch all around it. That just doesn't look really good. It doesn't do anything for the, for the tree as well. Anthony is over in Covington with a question about pruning his grapes. Hey, Anthony, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. How you doing? I'm doing fine. What's up, Anthony? Well, I was have a, a, a newfound adventure on some grapevines, and they're growing, and they're growing <laughs> crazy, but yeah, more pruning. Yeah. It's time. In fact, I told the guy earlier, you know, the time to prune the roses is when you can see the little red buds on them. My dad's rule for pruning grapevines is whenever the coldest, meanest, nastiest, sleeting day in January or February, when they rolled around, my dad would say, hey, let's go prune the grapes. This is a great day to prune the grapes. It's cold and miserable. So, I guess, Anthony, for you, for, I'll give you the dispensation. You I, I, don't have to follow his rules. You can do it whenever you want to, but the sooner you do it, the better you'll be. Because, again, it is a bleeder, and if you prune them late in the spring, then you get all this dripping water out of them. So, now, do you know what kind of grapes you have, Anthony? I think they're just Concord grapes. Concord grapes. So, they're, they're called bunch grapes, sort of, to yeah. identify them versus muscadine native grapes, you know. So right. if they're conquered bunch grapes, are they on an arbor or a wire trellis or something? Are they growing I'll, like that? They're growing on my barbed wire fence. All right. 
Why did you put it on the barbed wire, Anthony? Come on. That's going to be me. It's been there. It was there when I bought the place, and I never did take it down. All right. Well, you have to deal with the, with the wire yourself. I'm not going to tell you about how to keep out of that. You know enough already. Um, basically, what you're doing is taking off all the new growth from last year, all those long, springy, whatever you call them, twig things that are six and eight feet long, maybe. Take right. them off back to down at the base. Generally, if you look at the base of those long, stringy things, there'll be two or three little buds down there, two or three little swollen buds. They'll be brown on a, on a grapevine. And when you see two or three buds at the base, you make a cut just beyond them, which will mean, sort of like with the rose, you'll have a lot of vigorous new growth coming out of those buds, and that is where the flowers on the grapevine will be, and that is where the concrete grapes will be, and that's where Anthony will have his grapes in the summertime when he wants them. So it's important to prune them, just like the knockout rose, that you prune to get more new growth. The new growth supports new flowering fruit, in your case, and that's what you do. Okay. All right. Sounds and you know, Anthony, because I know that I just sort of went over that boom like that. If you weren't taking real well, good notes, I'm, you can go to my anyway. website and I have okay. all that stuff on my website, pictures and pruners and sort of all the rules of pruning, not only musket, not only uh, concrete grapes, the bunch grapes, but also the muscadine grapes too. So if you want to know, if other listeners want to know how to prune the different kinds of grapes, go to WalterReeves.com, type grape. I think that's all you have to do is grape. There's five or six articles about grapes and how to manage them, and you get all the details there. Anthony, thanks so much for calling. Don't forget our phone number, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, partly cloudy, high of 53 degrees, 33 is the overnight low. Pretty chilly today, frankly. Tomorrow, 50% chance of a shower during the day. They'll be light. They won't be heavy at all. High of 44. 44. Oh, man. Tomorrow, 40 is the low tomorrow. So 44 and 40 are the range of temperatures. Of course, right now in uh, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, it is 96 degrees. They're 12 hours ahead of us. At night, the uh, temperature is 77, 78. Some in Cambodia, 77, 78, 95 degrees. Why am I interested in that? Because I'll be in Vietnam and Cambodia in a couple of weeks with a big garden group who are accompanying me. I'm hosting this trip to go to Vietnam and Cambodia and see the history, the culture, the uh, greenery, and to ride the riverboat from uh, Cambodia down the Mekong River down to Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, and it is going to be bunches of fun. And I have another trip planned. If some of you want to go on a trip with, with me to Croatia and Slovenia, I did it last fall. It was fun. It was great. We were on a boat for nine, ten days. We were just riding down the Adriatic and stopped wherever we felt like stopping to swim in the ocean. We saw all sorts of castles. We saw gardens. We saw we had great food. It was history. Man, it was a great place to go. I hope you'll consider doing that. Details at WalterReeves.com. Real quickly here, let's see if we can get uh, J.D. in here. J.D., hey, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Okay, I'll be real quick, Walter. Good morning. Hi, How you doing, sir? Hey, great, good sir. Morning, sir. Hey, listen, Walter, I need your help. Back in yeah. uh, November, I planted my fescue seeds, okay? Yep. And now, uh, what about happened about two weeks ago, I uh, used a starter fertilizer, and I hope that I didn't do 
bad by putting in a starter fertilizer. And now I'm seeing weeds now. Is it too late, not too early for me to uh, apply some kind of a weed killer now? Uh, the part about the starter fertilizer or the regular fertilizer, J.D., I've yes. never yet found a fescue seed that could read a bag of fertilizer. In other words, they don't know <laughs> what's put down. You're the only one that knows, and you're telling me, and we're the only one that knows now. The fescue right. doesn't care too much about what fertilizer um, they get as long as it says something about lawn, turf, grass on the bag. Right. Do what it well, says. Well, can I go ahead and try some kind of something to kill the weeds now? Like a, Have you had uh, to mow it yet, J.D.? Have you mowed it once no, I ha twice? No, I have had. No, sir, I haven't. But I planted the like seed back in November. Yeah, well, see, I would like it for you to have mowed it at least once or twice because that tells me that the grass is tough enough to be able to withstand the chemicals for weed control. If you want right. a light spray, a light spray, J.D., is all I would let you do. A very light uh, okay. spray, a broadleaf weed killer, that might be the best thing for you to do. But don't do it heavy because it'll hurt the fescue if you do. Wait till you've mowed it a couple of times and you can use the full strength spray over the whole yard. Read the label, follow it, you know all that stuff too. 404 872 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news.